You need to focus on what you want. Everybody's goals are different. Some people want just to be a one-person show. Some people want to build a big team. So who do you listen to? Well, you don't listen to anybody until you figure out what do you want. You need to know what you want for your life. That's the first step. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. The lack of money is the root of all evil. Did that get your attention? It got mine. That's from my fellow Missourian, Mark Twain. He had such a sharp wit in a way to help you see the obvious that's so often overlooked. I know something about the lack of money because I spent some of the years of my life willfully sustaining it. Truth is, I didn't have much of it, and I wasn't very good at making it. And rather than admitting that I had a deficiency and a whopping dose of ignorance as well, instead of figuring out how to make some figures, I decided that money was a bad thing, and those who had it were somehow less virtuous than I was. You can imagine how that went. Turns out, you spend a lot of time thinking about money when you don't have it. And at some point, I decided that I better get better at providing for myself and participating in the exchange of the world that we all inhabit. I realized that I needed to find a way to create something of value so that I could have a better life. Deciding that something is bad because you're not good at it or don't understand it, that's a path to stasis, suffering, and some hard lessons that will come knocking on a regular basis. I don't profess to be a financial expert, but I can tell you this. If you're having trouble with money, check your attitude toward it. That's the first thing. If you've decided that it's something bad, then it's going to be hard to get it. And it will be hard to get it because you can't for long work across purposes with yourself. If you're practicing in insurance land, learn how to play that game. If you don't like the insurance game, find a way to create a cash-based business. But I have to warn you, having a cash-based practice will put you directly in the sights of all the issues that you might have around money and self-worth. That can be a rough ride, but it's a worthwhile journey. You can also consider a move to a state that doesn't offer insurance payments for acupuncture. Cost of living in these places is often quite reasonable, so your financial overhead is lower. Furthermore, these areas often enough don't have a lot of practitioners, so building a thriving practice will take far less time than in the cities where you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a few acupuncturists. What's more, you can make a big difference in a community where they need people who practice the kind of medicine that you do, but have a dearth of practitioners. Want to make the world a better place? Consider going to where you need it. I hear the question in your mind, but will they pay me? Here's the deal. So long as you're giving people results that are more valuable than the money that they pay you, they will gladly pay you and be grateful for your help as well. Here's the thing to keep in mind. Patients are not paying you for acupuncture. They're paying you for a result. They are there because they want to have their life be better, either by having you help them get rid of something like a digestive problem or a headache or get something like a regained capacity 
to get on the floor and play with their grandchildren. Maybe they do like the experience of acupuncture, and maybe they'll like you as well. All that is well and good, but don't base your business on it. Focus on helping people, so long as the results of coming to see you are greater than the money that they spend, they not only happily pay you, they will gossip about your work to all of their friends. Money's a kind of connective chi, a chi that touches the world of both material and spirit. Your attitude toward money will shape how you interact with your patients. Get that one settled, and the money issues have a lot less emotion to them. I think Mark Twain is right. There's a lot of evil and suffering that comes from a sense of lack or deficiency. And our practices give us a live lab to work those issues out. The business of medicine is not separate from the medicine. Much as I used to think I was somehow beyond having to get my hands dirty with the dirty job of running the business of my practice, I found over the years that learning to run a business is a kind of cultivation. There's a poetry to well-written ad copy. There's a sense of balance and poise, working out what you have to offer and how you put that into words that everyday people not familiar with East Asian medicine, they can understand it. And then there is the cultivation and self-development that running a business will demand of you. It's not unlike learning to sit in stillness with all the thoughts that arise and tug on your nervous system. In this conversation with Jimmy Yen, we talk about, <laughs> yeah, business. But more importantly, we talk about passion, dedication, and what happens when you decide to step into a larger version of your life. We'll get into that in a moment. Stay with us. These geological conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Need to fill up the appointments created by late cancellations? Jane can help with that problem. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, listen for a special offer from Andrew Sturman on Diet as Medicine, and the folks at Blue Poppy share some thoughts on the safety of herbal medicine. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit mayway.com to find the perfect plum flower brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore whenever you need a break. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies, and enjoy bits of Chinese culture. This month, we're focusing on the treatment of various skin concerns like itchy skin and stubborn acne. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our skin health formulas this month too. Just visit Meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei for your health and wellness needs. 
And as always, thanks for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. Change is never easy. This is evidenced by the fact that the scales weighing the number of people on the green side of change versus the number of people on the old, hard-on-the-planet ways of doing things are still way out of balance. Our planet is suffering, but our profession has an easier way to shift the scales. The founders of AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles started with a great needle and then created our industry's first eco-friendly packaging and reusable accessories. They also give back to nature by planting trees. I encourage you to challenge yourself to make the change. Ride the wave of spring yang chi and make the switch by joining me and the multitude of colleagues who made the change. Now you can celebrate Earth Month in April with pride knowing that you are helping us to tip the scales of planetary health towards a greener, healthier, and healing planet. Visit www.acufastneedles.com to get on board. You've probably already heard me here on the podcast share about Jane, my favorite all-in-one practice management software that helps you to run your practice online and manage no-shows. The team at Jane understands that life happens, and sometimes that means your patients are unable to make their scheduled appointment. If that's the case, a quick and easy way to fill those unexpected gaps in your day is by utilizing Jane's time-saving waitlist management features. You can take advantage of automated SMS text or email notifications to notify eligible waitlisted patients that there's an opening so they can easily scoop up an available time. If you know you're ready to sign up, you can mention the show or use the code CHEOLOGICAL for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Visit jane.app to get started today. Jimmy Yen, welcome to Geological. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. Ooh, what are you excited about? Well, just chatting, man. It's just like I'm uh, excited to learn from you also and learn from people in our profession and how we're helping to elevate our profession because that's what I'm all about right now. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us are in that boat. We've got some great medicine. We want to help people with it. We're trying to figure out how to help people with it. You've got quite a little empire going. I, I just want to give folks a little bit of backstory here. On occasion, I get pitches, actually more than, more than infrequently these days, I get pitches from PR firms, and mostly it's for some kind of influencer, alternative medicine, and it's, it's sketchy as hell. It's like, yeah, no way. I usually <laughs> write them back and go, have you actually bothered to look at my website and see who I talk to? I mean, does this person even have like a clinical practice? Usually they don't. But your PR person said, well, yes, actually he does, and here's the website. And I went and looked at it. I was like, dude. This guy doesn't have a practice. He's got an empire. You got a great website. You're all over social media. You're a TikTok star. Yep. What happened? Like, first of all, I'm always curious to know what brought people to the medicine. And secondly, like, what got you fired up with getting the medicine like out into people's minds and eyes and like thought space? with all the social media that you do. 
Yeah. Because your your social media isn't just like, oh, acupuncture is groovy. You're like actually doing stuff with it. So yeah, where do we start? Tell me how you started with the vision for the kind of practice that you've got. Yeah. So let me start with, you know, how I got into Chinese medicine. And it's it's a different story. I know a lot of my colleagues, they got into acupuncture Chinese medicine because whether they had a personal experience, it helped they had a health issue and then it helped them with their health issue. Mm. Um, or they had a family member that it helped. For me, it was is weird. And so I was actually at UT. I went to UT Austin, University of Texas at Austin, and I was studying biochemistry. And my goal was actually to become a veterinarian at that time. Uh -huh. Hey, Jimmy, I just, I just want to do a quick break here. Move back just a little bit from the microphone. You're a little bit too close. Yeah, just like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, have at it. Yeah. So I was about one year to graduate from University of Texas at Austin. And my dad, who lives in Taiwan, he's retiring and he wants to learn Chinese medicine. And so he said, oh, did you know there was actually an acupuncture school in Austin, Texas? And so he was like, can you go research it for me? And so I, go, I was like, sure, you know, whatever. And so I went there, grabbed the information, spoke to the administration people, got to learn about the school and brought the information back to my dad. He was like, okay, great. And then after I graduated, I was at a, uh, I would say fork in the road. At that time, I met a girl. <laughs> Isn't it always like that? <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to make a choice because if I were, was to go to veterinary school, it would be in a completely different city about two, three hours away. So my dad had introduced me to the acupuncture school and I was like, huh. So I had two choices, go to veterinary school and move away or stay in Austin, go to acupuncture school and pursue the girl of my dreams, a woman of my dreams. Because when I first met her, it was love at first sight. <laughs> oh man, that's great. And, you know, obviously I chose a woman. <laughs> and acupuncture. And uh, I stayed and went to, and exactly, I chose acupuncture. And when I went into acupuncture, it, it wasn't too far-fetched for me because then I started realizing, oh, wow, this is part of my culture. I actually grew up like practicing many things, many concepts of Chinese medicine within our, my personal of life, course. thanks to my dad. Yeah. Did you grow up in Taiwan? No, I did not. I was born in Taiwan. I was born in Taipei, Taipei. Mm. but I came here when I was one and a half years old. I was actually raised a Texan. You were raised a Texan. A lot of people from Taiwan end up in Texas. It's, it's curious. Yeah, yeah. Even though you didn't grow up like in Taiwan, you grew up within Chinese culture, Taiwanese culture in particular. Yeah, a lot of the medicine is just encoded in the culture. Like, honey, you can't eat that right now. You got a cold. Yes, yeah. Stuff like drink warm water, mm -hmm. right? You know, how we eat vegetables, more vegetable fruits and vegetables instead of animal protein yeah don't eat cold stuff especially in the morning and just a lot of that stuff and even just like herbs like you know we use ginger to cook gochizu to cook jensen mm. to cook and we make tongue we make soup out of right. that and so that was in my daily living my parents you know provided that yeah so going to chinese medicine school wasn't it wasn't a foreign experience to you. It was. No, it wasn't. I was like, I felt like at yeah. home. 
this is awesome. I've been doing this my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Did your dad learn Chinese medicine as well? Did he follow through with that? He did, but in a unconventional way. So in Taiwan, they still have, they utilize those apprenticeships. Mm -hmm. So he actually found a, I think it was like a 80 or 90 year old TCM practitioner and he apprenticed with him. And my dad studied it not to become a practitioner. He studied it because since his 30s, he's always been in health and he wanted to maintain his own health. He's basically turning, he turned 81 this year. And so it's maintained his own health and then my mom's health too. It's a good reason to do it. I remember when I lived there, I had a doctor that I used to sit with and study with. I first learned about him because I was sick and a friend of mine dragged me down there. Well, let's go check out this Lao Zhongyi. You know, he's supposed to be really good. And so we went and and, uh, he gave me herbs that really helped. And he had this other person who was studying with him and uh, she would, teach these classes to people, kind of like for your dad. You learn some medicine, and you yeah. learn how to take care of yourself and people around you, and it, it's a fairly popular thing in Taiwan, I guess because it is part of the culture, and it, it's something people want to go deeper into, and there's easy to get access to. But you're kind of doing something like that with your business, aren't you? You're kind of making the medicine accessible to the general public. Correct. And that's where we go and transition to, you know, social media. There's many reasons why I went to social media, but one of my mentors told me that he used the word omnipresence Mm. for his business. And then I was thinking, after I've built my practice uh, in Austin, Texas, I was like, more people need to know, not enough people know about Chinese medicine. And that's the problem. I mean, people think know of acupuncture, maybe but not enough people just in the US i'm not even talking about the world i'm just talking about the US not many people know about the power of traditional chinese medicine and what better way than social media and covid made it even more important to be on social media and so that's why i made it my mission number 1 to help my business to be become omnipresent but also to help chinese medicine become omnipresent because the more people that know about it, the more that we're, it, it's going to, we're going to be chosen as the first option instead of always the last option. Yes, exactly. If people knew more about it and, and could kind of understand it, trust it. I love that word omnipresence because it, it suggests that wherever people turn, they're hearing something about this. It's not that weirdo thing that your strange cousin does. You hear about it here, you hear about it there. Oh, you've got this digestive thing while adding some ginger to your morning oatmeal. That's a place to start. It it suddenly becomes not weird after you hear about it on a regular basis. Yeah, it becomes less of, you know, voodoo magic. And, you know, one thing that when I speak, because I go around and teach, I do these podcasts, I do interviews and so forth. I always imagine, I, I always ask the crowd, when I was growing up and you, you know, people would ask me, what do you want to do when you grow up? In the Asian culture, it's a lot of it's, you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, right? Those are the most common ones. And I was thinking, man. Are you sure you're not Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I have a little Jewish blood in me. <laughs> so I was thinking, man, what if today you went out in the street, you asked any random kid, 
what do you want to do when you grow up? And maybe half of them said, man, I want to become a doctor, a lawyer, and an acupuncturist. Wouldn't that be awesome? I think that would be the epitome of we made it. Yeah. Like what's a cool thing to do? Oh yeah. Being an acupuncturist. Yeah. yeah well, we've got a ways to go. Yes. When you are out and you're talking to different groups and such, where are you going and talking to people? Anywhere and everywhere. Whoever wants to okay, listen. Miss- like, I don't necessarily recommend that for everybody. I'm in a position where I can do that. And what I mean by that is I've built my practice. So I have the largest practice in Austin, Texas. And I've been very fortunate. I have a great team. Um, I have what I call an automated practice, which means the clinic does not rely upon me. My clinic runs by itself without me. Like I'm doing this interview right now and my team is treating patients. We've got probably 220 patients this week. And so they are taking care of the business. And so that allows me, now I have a lot of free time. And so now, and actually in 2017, I, I was able to retire. And so I have a lot of free time now. So whoever is willing and to listen to my message about Chinese medicine, that's what I'm spending my free time now to what I call pay it forward and to elevate our profession. Okay. Not everybody wants a practice as huge as yours. Correct. So, you know, fair enough. There are some people that are interested in, yeah, the more people we can reach, the more helpful we can be. And they're looking to build a practice like that. So with that in mind and knowing that our listenership here could be anyone from, I just want to have a single person practice and make it rock to people Mm -hmm. that might want something larger. How do you build yourself an automated practice so that the thing has wheels on it and you don't have to think about it too much? You just do it, whether you're treating patients or like you, you've got this thing going so that because you've built something, you're actually helping people. Mm -hmm. And you're in this other domain now of helping to promote the work and promote the medicine in an entirely different way, which also, of course, helps people. How do you build something like this? You know, a lot of our folks think the word business is a four-letter word. Yeah. So it really goes, actually, I spoke for Yosan University in California. I spoke to their class, their business class yesterday, actually last night. And one thing that I had them focus on, and this is regardless of what type of practice you want. The first thing you need to focus on is you need to figure out what you want. I mean, this sounds so simple, but it's, it's the most hard, hardest exercise to do. You need to focus on what you want. Because just like you said, not everybody's goals are different. Some people want just to be a one-person show. Some people want to build a big team. So who do you listen to? Well, you don't listen to anybody until you figure out what do you want. You need to know what you want for your life. That's the first step, because let's say that you want to be the solo practitioner, solopreneur, and then now you're listening to someone like me who's built something big. I may not tell you the right things based on what you want, right? So you really have to focus on what do you want in life? Like, what was your purpose? I like to say, what's your purpose in life? Why do you think you are on this earth? I don't want to get too esoteric on that, but that answer 
that clarity will help you guide you to the right decisions to meet the right people and also to take the right actions in your life. The thing that you just said about meeting the right people, Mm -hmm. that really rings a bell because I'm just thinking about my own experience. And when I'm clear about something that I'm looking for, the people that can help me, they just stand out. They're easy to see. If I'm unclear, it's like I'm lost in a crowd. Nobody stands out. I'm looking for inspiration. I'm not finding it because that inspiration actually needs to come from the inside. Correct. When you got that, people that can help you with that, they do. They kind of stand out in 3D relief. That's an interesting thing. And there's another thing I wanted to say, but it, it already slipped my mind. Something about what you want. Eh, I'll, I'll come back to it. This thing you talk about, Jimmy, is yeah. it's fundamental. What do I want? And it, yes. it sounds simple. And in some ways it is, but it, that simple is not easy. Not easy at what all. What can people do to help them get their hearts and minds around what they actually want? That's not such an easy process, I don't think. No, it's not. I will add, it's a never-ending process. Because I'll give you an example. I'll answer your question, but I'll, let me use my own personal experience as an example. Mm-hmm. When I started my practice, I started my practice in 2007. So I came from a very poor family. And in 2007, I had no money. I was in $100,000 debt. And I didn't have money to open my practice. So at that time, what I wanted was just to survive. Mm -hmm. I couldn't think about like what I have right now. I didn't even think about it. My goal back then was just to survive. Like literally being able to pay my rent, being able to buy food, being able to literally survive. That was all I was thinking about. And then as I built my practice and got more and more successful, then what I wanted changed and evolved. And as it evolved, just like you said, when you become clear about what you want, the right people will just suddenly magically come to you. It is true when the student is ready that the teacher will appear. That is 100% true. And so through my 14, 15 years of, of growth, I've had almost every year I want something almost different, a little different, because every year I grow. And when I grow, I want something different. So going back to your question of how do you determine that, look to see if you're past survival. If you're not surviving, obviously survival is number one. And like I said, I've been there. And so once you are past survival, and now you're starting to get some traction, then you start thinking, okay, what brings me joy? What brings me happiness? What are the things in life that bring me joy and happiness? I would start from there and just start making a list. And one exercise that I would recommend, so this could help everybody. This is something that I have done for five years, maybe a little more, is I have a little notebook um, that I write my goals down or things that I want. So every morning, I'll spend five, five to 10 minutes and I'll just brain dump. Whatever I think about, it's like, what do I want? What do I want today? What do I want in my life? And I just start writing it. I don't think about it. Just write. It should not take you more than 10 minutes. I would say keep it to five. And just write everything you want. And every day, just keep doing that. Don't look back on the previous day. 
So every day is a brand new day. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? You do that for one year, you will start seeing certain things stay on your list. And the unimportant things, they just magically fall off. So that's one exercise I'd highly recommend everybody do. It's very powerful. Hello, everyone. Andrew Sturman here. I've been working with clients in Chinese medicine dietary therapy for over two decades in New York City. My focus is beautiful, simple, delicious, and health-supportive home cooking. Good meals can be inspired by the strategies of classic herbal formulas so that each meal is infused with medical intention from appetizer to dessert. This requires an understanding of the energetic properties of grains, vegetables, meats, fruits, and more, and knowing which foods are moistening, drying, building, clearing, warming or cooling, as well as their directionality. I've organized these teachings in my two-volume book series, Welcoming Food, where you can learn this theory, practice it in your own kitchen, and love doing so. See the positive reviews and incredible testimonials from practitioners and patients who've brought this material into their own kitchens. Welcoming Food Books 1 and 2 can easily be found online, and if you'd like to follow me on Instagram, where I'll be posting cooking tutorials, you can find me at Welcoming Food. Back to you, Michael. Thanks very much. Five minutes a day. Well, here's something, too. Depending Mm -hmm. on the family you grew up in and and the way you grew up, even saying, I want something, Mm -hmm. some people have an edge against that. So who am I to want anything? Is it okay if I want something? Mm, true. You know, do I dare actually want what I think I want? Or yeah, there's that as well. And I love what you what you say here too that it's this iterative process because when we're in survival mode, that's all you got, man. You got to make that work. But when you've got more than survival going on, now you have increased capacity. Correct. With increased capacity, we have a chance to do something bigger. Yes. Or deeper or more interesting, or reach out into our communities in such a way that we're benefiting our communities. You can't benefit your community if you can't feed yourself. Correct. So as we increase in capacity, of course, what we would want Mm -hmm. or what we would be capable of helping others with, that's going to change. Oh, yeah. That's 100% correct. You have to take care of yourself first because it is the capacity and if you can't even take care of yourself and your family, you're not going to have the bandwidth to think about helping others. So you definitely you know, need to get past the survival mode and increase. So I love the word capacity because it's like we all start with a small cup and that's our capacity. Mm. But what we can do, what we don't realize is a lot of times we fill that cup and then we're like, oh, I'm to the max. I can't do anymore. But really what we should, should have been focused on is how do we increase the capacity, which is increase the cup size. So I may start with a little teacup when I first start, or maybe a sh- not even teacup, that's too big. Maybe a shot glass. <laughs> that was my capacity in the beginning because <laughs> that's survival. And then gradually as I got momentum, I increased to a teacup. And now probably I'm like a milk jug, a gallon milk jug. I have a huge capacity, but I still want to increase that because if I don't increase it, then that's going to limit the, my ability to help people because that's my number one mission, right? I've got a couple of missions. One of them for my practice is to help 1 million people restore their body's natural ability to heal itself. So that's for my clinic. 
And then from the personal side, I also want to help 1 million holistic healthcare practitioners achieve their definition of freedom. And I want to do that. It's the same thing like we're just talking about. If I can help more practitioners achieve their definition of freedom, that will increase their capacity to help people. So through them, I can help even more people because I realize I don't have to, in order for me to help more people, I cannot be the only person sticking a needle in a person. That's too limiting. So I need the help of our whole profession. So the only way to do that is to get our profession out of survival mode and into thrive mode. Okay. That's partly why I do the podcast as well. I love it. Because there's so much that I can do in my own clinic, and I love that work. I'm happy to do it. Mm -hmm. It brings me a lot of joy and satisfaction. But I can only treat one person at a time. When I get to have conversations with people like you or the other guests of the podcast, I get to help other practitioners so they can help more people. Oh, okay, now I'm leveraging my time in a different way. Exactly. There's definitely something satisfying about that. I want to come back to something that you just said. You just used a word, maybe because you're from Texas and you Texans are all about freedom. Freedom, baby. (laughs) I don't usually hear practitioners talk about freedom. And here in particular, you saying, I want to help people achieve their definition of freedom because that's going to help them in the work that they do. Yes. Tell us more about that. What is it about achieving our idea of freedom that makes us better or more effective in the work that we do? Yeah, great question. So I like to use the word freedom. Maybe it's because um, I grew up Texan. But if you imagine, because I usually show a slide when I'm doing this, a presentation and, and I say, and I mention my, my mission, I have a slide of a person in chains and the chains are broken. So freedom means you're not bound by chains. You're not bound by something. And a lot of times, like, especially in the acupuncture profession, we're bound by survival, our daily necessities. Like many acupuncturists, they're struggling and it's sad to see but they're bound because they're so bound by debt, their bills. Again, they don't have the capacity to see that they could actually ha- help more people or they don't have the ability to increase their capacity. And so by breaking open those chains, so whatever their definition is, is beyond survival, a freedom is beyond survival. So once they get to that and they are actually in surplus now, right? When you are in surplus, then number one, you can breathe, mm-hmm. right? You don't feel so suffocated, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what freedom, freedom is, you know, you can breathe. Again, everybody's definition is different, but I see freedom as you have the ability to do whatever you want. You are in control of everything in your life. And having that control is so empowering, right? That you know that, hey, if I want to do this, I can do it. And I don't have to worry about my bills, expenses, and so forth. I can do, I have this mission, I have this passion, so I can do it because I am in surplus now. So that's what I mean by helping practitioners achieve their definition of freedom. Okay. What I think I'm, I'm hearing you say is you need a certain kind of surplus. I'm imagining that means a surplus of money. You're doing fine with that. A surplus of time, yes. space, so that you can create the vision 
for how you want to be more helpful. So you need more time and more money. That adds to freedom. What else goes into freedom besides that? I would say those are the two biggest things because the two most valuable resources every person has is time and money. And the most valuable one is time. Mm -hmm. Because money we can always make. We lose it, we can make it back. But time, once we lose it, it's gone for good. So really, based on what you're just saying, I think the freedom is more time. You know, having a surplus of, not necessarily a surplus of time, being in control of your time mm. and efficiently using your time. Like using your time for the things that motivate you, inspire you, instead of spending your time on things that drag you down, which are the chains. We're kind of back to what do you want, aren't we? <laughs> exactly. It always comes back to this. Mm -hmm. So everybody needs to be clear. Ask yourself the questions. And really, what do you want? One of the hardest things I think I see people struggle with is confronting themselves. And confronting is not a bad thing. It's a positive thing. And what that means is getting clear as to who you truly are. And forget about what other people think is right or wrong. Forget about that. You know, what are your values? What do you want? What do you think is right for you? What are some things that you want? Even though, let's say our profession doesn't necessarily agree with that. Forget all that. So a lot of times when we have struggles finding out who we are is because we're inputting other people's opinion into what we think we should be instead of what we really want to be, if that makes any sense. It does make sense, especially because we're such social creatures. Yeah. And to be connected with other people means it's unavoidable that we take on the influence of other people. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yes. And there's times where it's really helpful to know what we want and who we are and what we're not standing for, what's actually not in our wheelhouse and just leave it alone. Yeah. It's definitely the saying, be comfortable in your skin, in your own skin. That it has a lot to do with identifying who you are and who do you want to be. I've changed. I mean, just personally, from a personal standpoint, like who I am today is the complete opposite of who I used to be, like literally the opposite. And I'll give you an example. Like before I met my wife, when I was at UT, I played video games all day. I wasted time all day. I had no ambition, no drive. And my mom came from Taiwan to visit me. And she's like, is this all you do all day? I'm like, yeah. She just watched me play video games the whole day. And I'm like 19, 20 years old. And it's just like, if someone had looked at me back then, they would have think, man, Jimmy's not going to make it. He's going to be one of those bums on the street. But things happen. And yes, you do get influenced. I got influenced by my wife. That was the best thing that has ever happened to me in my life. And I did a complete 180. And I am who I am today because of my wife. Well, and yourself. Yes. Because you took on those challenges. But Correct. yes, absolutely. The people that we surround ourselves with have a huge influence, huge impact on us. Yes. And isn't it curious sometimes, we're fortunate that we can live long enough, hopefully, that we come around and we look at ourselves somewhere down the road and go, oh man, if I was to talk to my 20-something-year-old self, he, you know, he'd look at the now future me and go, who is that guy? How did you turn into that? It's funny. Sometimes we have to really 
but with love and appreciation and maybe a little bit of fortitude, like let older parts of ourselves go. It's like, you're just not helpful anymore. Yes. Like, thank you and goodbye. Correct. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> wow, that's cool. I love it. Video dude, why Shahai? <laughs> and now you're doing all this other stuff. I want to come around to the social media piece because social media is one of those things, and maybe just because of my age, I'm in my 60s, and so there's a part of me that's like, oh my God, I want to talk to people, not machines. Of course, yeah. I have a podcast, so I'm talking to machines. <laughs> I think partly for me it is, I don't really understand social media. I'm not in that realm. I find it to be a huge drag and burden, really, to my attention. Mm -hmm. And so much of what I see, it's noise. There's like very little signal, yes. but lots of noise. And so I built my practice because of Google, basically. Right. This is before social media came in. The way that, that you would get people to call you for an appointment is you have a good website that somehow falls into their search on the first page of a search, ideally organically, not paid for, ideally organically. Yep. The website is written well enough that people land on the website and go, oh man, this is the person I'm looking for, instead of landing on a website and going, what's this crap? Plenty of those. People yeah. trying to game the system never works because getting on the first page of Google is not the goal. Getting them to call you is the goal. They have to get to your website and think, oh, you're a person worth calling. That's how I built my business. That worked really well in yes. the time before social media. It still works well. I don't have to do anything anymore. Thing yeah. just has wheels on it. So yeah. lucky me, it's yes. hit capacity. All practices will hit a steady stream state at a certain point if you keep at it and you do it, you know, and you do a good job. You can't avoid it if you do a good job. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. I've got it. You've got it. I built mine with Google. But I look at social media, I'm thinking, God, if I was a new practitioner, how on earth in that super noisy social media environment do you actually create some kind of connection that has people going mm -hmm. to your website or even better yet, calling you and not saying, I want to know more about acupuncture, but calling you and saying, I want an appointment. How do you do that? Yeah, so that's a big topic. I'll start from the beginning. One thing I like to say, it may be surprising, but I don't like social media. And I think I didn't start Facebook. That was my first social media platform until 2017 or 16. So it's fairly recent, right? And here's my thinking back then. I thought only people who have a lot of time on their hands and are unsuccessful are on Facebook. Busy people are not going to be on Facebook. That was my mindset before I got on Facebook. And then, of course, I met the right mentors and changed my mindset about that. And he told me one thing. We should use social media but we should not be used by social media. Amen to that. High 10 to that. Yeah. But social media is so seductive and it, it's so good at gaming your attention. Yes. How do you use it and not get used by it? So you do your post and then you get off, pure and simple. 
you have to develop that habit, that discipline. It, it requires a discipline. Like for me, I spend like what I used to. I have a team now, but in the beginning, what I did was I would just do one post. It would take me no more than five minutes. A lot of times it was just two minutes. I would do my post, upload it, and that's it. I'm done. I don't edit it. I don't make, see if it, if it sounded good. It doesn't matter. Because with social media, and I'll tell you all the secret for all the listeners here. It's frequency and consistency. That's the key of social media. It is not, oh, I need to do a great post. One post will never do it. So stop wasting your time trying to perfect one post. Because especially on Facebook, Facebook has an algorithm where it doesn't matter if you're friends with people, they will not show your post to those friends unless you pay for it. So Facebook really right now is not a good place to be at. I still use it, but Facebook comes out with the, with the game. You have to play. You have to pay to play. Mm-hmm. So if you don't pay, they're not going to let you pay. And that's why I switched to TikTok. TikTok was brand new. And again, in talking about, you know, you said you didn't understand social media. I don't understand social media. I just did it. You don't need to understand social media to do it. Right. So on TikTok, I don't do what those little, little kids are doing. I don't dance. I don't strip. You know, I don't do, you know, crazy stuff. And so I stick to what I know. And I started TikTok last year, 2021 March. That's when I started TikTok. So even though I have this huge following, I did all of this recently. So last year, March 2021, I started my TikTok account. Right now, I have 1.1 million followers. Hey, you were looking for a million people to talk to. Yes. I'm looking for more than a million people. <laughs> There's 7 billion people in the world. I need to talk to all of them. <laughs> so the point is, don't think that you need... People get stuck and I need to make it look pretty. I need to edit it. I need it to whatever. I mean, there is a formula, okay? There is a success formula. But the most important thing, when I first started doing, I just hit the live. I actually did Facebook Live every day for one year. Mm-hmm. And I got zero, zero new patients from that. I got zero patients. But what it did was it helped me start talking to a camera and just blab. That's what it helped me. So when I did TikTok, I grew exponentially. Because you were ready and prepared and you could do that thing. You had a capacity that you didn't have a year previously. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I had one year of of failure, so I got over that. Yeah, I have never, ever gotten a patient from Facebook that I know. Never. And I used to do the very targeted ads. Never worked for me. Other people it works for. Yeah, yeah. This might shock you. I spend zero dollars on social media marketing. Actually, I spend zero dollars in marketing in general. All of mine is organic. All my social media got 1.1 million followers on TikTok. I've got 830,000 followers on Instagram. I've got 23 subscribers on my YouTube. All organic. I didn't spend a dime. I believe it. And I would agree with you that it's the way to go, partly because it forces you to do exactly what you were talking about. You've got to be consistent. Yes. Yeah, you just have to be relentlessly consistent with it. 
It doesn't have to be perfect. People are going to look at it for maybe 15 seconds anyway. Why would you spend any amount of time on something that is basically disposable? Exactly. And actually, they look at it for two seconds. Oh, okay. That's how you catch their attention. In the first two seconds, you need to catch people's attention. So given that we've got two seconds now, it used to be seven, now we got two. (laughs) Oh boy. How do you catch their attention in two seconds? Yeah, great question. So when people are on scrolling on social media, what do you think they are looking for? It's either cute cats, strippers, or somebody with big biceps. (laughs) Yes, all of those. They're looking for what's in it for me. If they have a problem, they're looking for a solution. Right? So let's say I have a problem. If I have a problem, let's say I have diabetes. And I'm like, man, I wish I could reverse my diabetes. And I'm just scrolling through TikTok. And then I see someone that's, remember, you have two seconds. What would you say to catch that diabetic patient's attention? Change your blood sugar levels. Would that catch their attention? What would catch my attention if I had diabetes was some easy way to change my blood sugar level without me having to do anything. And how do you say that in just one or two words? How do I do that in two seconds? Yeah, in two seconds. Yeah, man. Well, see, I'm asking you. <laughs> so someone who's diabetic, right? I've got diabetes. I'm scrolling through and I see a video. First word, diabetes. That stops my attention. Right then. Right there. Right there. Because I'm talking about their problem. They have diabetes. That's how you get someone's attention. You got to think from their perspective. It's just that simple. So you've got to get the key word that's already in their brain that they're constantly mulling over. I got to do something about my diabetes, my blood sugar, you know, my diabetes is going to kill me, my diabetes, blah, 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 blah. So pick the key word that's already in the monologue that they're whispering to themselves and show it to them. Correct. And it could be blood sugar. You could say blood sugar. The worst thing you can do is talk about you. If you watch any of my social media, especially TikTok and Instagram reels, I never say my name. I never say my clinic. I never talk about me because it's not about me because everybody is tuned in to WIIFM radio. WIIFM radio? What's in it for me? Yeah, of course. That's like one of your first things that you would learn if you ever took a copywriting course. Exactly. This is, in a way, how I built my business with Google. That's great. Is I would imagine what somebody was typing into their search bar. I was trying to imagine the words that they were typing into their search bar so that I could put those words in the title of the article Mm -hmm. that was then going to show up in Google so that they would see it. And then the first thing that I would talk about in the blog article would be that thing and like the problems that you're having with that thing so that they could Mm -hmm. realize that, wow, I understand their situation. Yeah. And only later do you say for more information, join our newsletter, you know, whatever call to action you want to have. So for the social media, a word or an image that catches their attention in that two seconds so that they will pause for the rest of your message. Yes. 
Correct. And you actually said something that I just, it connected the dots with me like right now. So when you were doing your Google search, keyword search, they weren't a sentence. They, that's why it's called keyword search. It was a word. Yeah. So all you have to do is use that word on your social media post. Whatever you would use for Google keyword search, one word, that's how you would start your social media post. That's not difficult to me. No, because you were already doing it. You already know how to do it. See, you were already doing it. Now you just need to apply it to a different platform. But it's the same principle. Well, I'm in the very fortunate position where I don't need to promote my clinic at this point. No, that's awesome. So I'm, I'm lucky for that. Yeah, if I wanted to promote the, the podcast, yes. I could use that same idea. Because again, you know, in some ways, part of what my work is at this point is similar to what your work is, is helping to support the profession in ways mm-hmm. so that more people can be more successful at the work that we do so more people are helped. Correct. Other people that are listening, they can just use that. Whatever you were using for Google search words, just use those words and to start your podcast. Don't introduce yourself. Don't say, hey, guys. Most people go, hey, guys, this is Jimmy from Achieve Integrative Health. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. The first word you used, and it's amazing. I never say my name. I never talk about my clinic, but we have increased. We do get 45% of our new patients are from social media. Two basic misconceptions stand in the way of people feeling comfortable using Chinese herbal medicine, even as they are feeling more positive about acupuncture. They are concerned about safety as herbal medicine is an unregulated industry and feel herbs are not effective to treat most conditions. Blue Poppy is committed to meeting all FDA safety regulations. All of their herbal products contain minimal or no filler to maximize potency and efficiency. Their granules are carefully manufactured in GMP-certified facilities, and every batch is tested multiple times for pesticides, heavy metals, and microbial content at the manufacturer and by SGS Laboratory, a Swiss certification and inspection company. For over 20 years, Blue Poppy has made quality and safety manufacturing standards their biggest priority, resulting in exceptionally effective herbal formulas. Their years of experience provide you with the best possible herbs so your patients have the best possible outcomes. With free shipping and free dropship service on orders over $50, Blue Poppy should be your favorite place to shop for herbs. Use the code CHI2024 to receive 10% off Blue Poppy products on your next order. Wow, that's astonishing. Yes, I figured out, I've cracked the code. And we also increased our email list from 1,000 to 5,000. So our email list is 5,000. So really, social media, COVID made it even more relevant. Remember, I don't like social media, but I see social media as just like another way. It's like your own personal TV station. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for those of us that are kind of introverted or we don't like the spotlight on us or we're a little bit shy, you're asking us to every day in a persistent fashion put ourselves out there. Yes. How do we do that? Yeah, great question. And you may not believe this, 
But I used to be an extreme introvert. And I add the word extreme because I hated talking to people. I'd rather be by myself. This is the old mm-hmm. me. That's why I was playing video games all day. I was by myself. So if you want, so this is really something, a question you have to, everybody needs to ask themselves. How bad do you want to succeed? How bad do you really want to help people? Is that more important than your fear of putting yourself out there? Or is the fear more important to you? That's a question you have to ask yourself. And the reason why I say that, because I ask myself that. I was an extreme introvert. I asked myself that question. For me, the question was, do I want to eat or do I want to be, be scared? I wanted to eat. So it, the decision was very easy. Okay. When you're in survival, it's very easy. <laughs> so I wanted to eat. So I put myself out there. Right. So when I first started my practice in 2007, I didn't know social media. So what I did was I actually went out and did networking groups. I forced myself to go to five networking groups every week for six months because I knew I was an extreme introvert. That is brutal. It was brutal. I hated Mm -hmm. it. I hated it. But you know what I hated more? Being hungry. Not eating. Yes. I hated that more. So I forced myself to do it and thank God I did it because that helped me build confidence in myself, my communication skills, and social media will do the same thing. It will help you build confidence in yourself and your social media. Now, here's one thing. Do not read the comments because you will get nasty comments because again, Chinese medicine is not well known. We're still viewed as voodoo doctors, as BS. I actually had a medical doctor take one of my TikTok posts and made a post about it and say, oh, this person doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not a medical doctor. He's talking about BS and all that stuff. So that's what I'm saying. Don't read the comments. Put your post on and get off of the app and leave it. The next morning, do the same thing. Put your post on, do your post, your live video, and then get off. Do not read the comments. So it did, even for me, with, I have a lot of confidence, but that still, when, it, when that medical doctor called me a quack and made a whole YouTube video out, out of my TikTok video, it still hurt. Of course it does. And, you know, and here's the other thing that, that's weird. You could have 50 comments that say, this is great. You can get two that say you're a quack and you're stupid. Yeah. Which ones go in deeper? The two. No, it's it's really crazy. The two that really shouldn't matter. I know it shouldn't. <laughs> it yeah, is. Yeah, but it does. So your advice is just ignore all of that. Good, bad, it's just noise. Good, bad, yes. Just noise. Remember, use social media. Don't be used by social media. Use being used means you're in, into reading the comments and stuff. Right. I get that. And I'm with you. I could do that. That would actually help me to move more into that platform. Now, I've talked to some other people about social media and they talk about, well, you see people, they make a comment, you make a comment back, you kind of become friends, you follow each other, you can build some connection through direct messages and things like that. And, And there are evidently people that use that aspect of social media. What are your thoughts about that? Mm hmm. There's different levels. That's what I'm saying. When you're first starting off, you don't want to do that because you're a one-person show. 
Like when I first started off, I was doing everything myself. I don't have time to be doing that, right? And so, because I'm also treating patients at the same mm-hmm. time. But now I have a team. So my team does respond to our Instagram comments. Got it. And from that, now it depends on the platform. The TikTok, there's too many crazies on TikTok. So I would not respond to comments on TikTok. But Instagram, it's more, I would say, less craziness. So for Instagram, this is the past probably two or three months, we've discovered a formula on how to respond to the comments in order to generate new patients. And so there is a system for that, but it takes manpower. And a lot of acupuncturists, you're not going to have the manpower. So that's why I'm not suggesting you do it. Okay. To respond to comments. So you're getting it out there. You're being consistent. You're not reading the comments. You're just, you're putting your message out. Yes. How does that translate into phone calls asking for an appointment? Yeah. So the first way that you would do it, if you're a one person show is again, you don't want to spend your time answering to comments. As long as you provide value to your listeners, they will reach out Mm. to you. Like we have people from social media, they just naturally go to our website and they fill out our newsletters and we have, you know, a newsletter and they just call us and some people call us. And this is without any of us asking them to do anything. We don't do anything. Like on my Instagram, I told them to follow me on Instagram. I don't tell them to call my office, right? You can. That would be one way. You can say, hey, call my office at blah, 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 blah. That's one way. But I'm just telling you the way we do it. I just provide so much value that people just naturally call to call us. That will happen. And then, like I said, we figured out a formula when you respond to the comments then you can actually encourage them to call you even more. But if you don't have the team, I suggest you just provide value that your listeners want, not value what you think they want, but what they really want. And you will know the, if you are providing value by your followers, are people following you more? If they are, it's because they want to hear more. Mm-hmm. So watch your numbers to see how many people follow what you have to say, yes. the more that goes up, the more that there is some kind of interest. It means, okay, you're getting some kind of traction. I love your perspective there, Jimmy, where you're putting out tremendous value. Mm-hmm. So people are kind of thirsty for it. And then if they get even more interested, well, then they'll just naturally seek you out. You're not hard to find. Just type your name into Google. For, I mean, for God's sake, it's simple. If you really want to find somebody, it's not hard. Yeah. And and no. by not saying, call my clinic, that's always like in the old days when it'd be dinner time and some telemarketer calls you and goes, is this a convenient time? You're like, no, it's dinner time. Go away. You know, there's always that, that thing about, you know, well, call my office. It's like, yeah, no, I don't want to call your office. I don't know you well enough. But yeah. if you can build enough interest in, in that person so that they want to seek you out, they can easily find you. I think that's a great, that's a great way to go. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's like dating. Exactly. Uh, You hit it right on the spot. Typically, in the old days, you don't ask for a kiss on the first date, right? You don't just go all in. I mean, some people may, maybe. Depends on how that first date is going, right? (laughs) Are you actually connecting? (laughs) True, true. (laughs) 
I don't think I got a kiss with my wife on the first date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's helpful to build a little tension, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Instagram. I, I get that. I think I get it. Certainly enough that I'm considering how I might want to play with this. Let's turn to TikTok for a moment. Yeah. Because you just said, <laughs> this is great. You just said, TikTok is crazy. <laughs> okay. TikTok is crazy. So what the hell are you doing in crazy town? How's that helpful? How's crazy town helpful for doing what you want to do in that you want to get people knowing about acupuncture and, and maybe they'll consider it for their lives? Yeah. So when I say it's crazy because TikTok started off with uh, approaching kids, right? So TikTok is known as, you know, the teens. But when we look at our analytics, majority of my followers are between the age 45 to 65. Seriously, on TikTok? Yes. And I have 1.1 million followers. So that tells you, you know, there's a lot of closet TikTok users. <laughs> so they just don't want to admit it. But your mother, your dad, your grandparents, they're on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your question about the crazies, so this is what I was thinking, right? Yes, there's a lot of kids on there. And guess what? All of those kids, they all have something in common. They all have parents. So if their <laughs> kids see, they go, oh, man, look at this. You know, the parents, they're always complaining. Oh, man, my back hurts. Man, my back hurts. And then the kids saw my TikTok. They say, oh, you should check this guy on TikTok. He can get rid of your back pain. That's my thinking process. Dude, you are evil. You are marketing to the kids to get to the parents. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm on TikTok. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because you want to be gossip worthy in a sense, right? Yes. You want people talking about what you're doing. And, and that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I hear my auntie always talking about her indigestion. Hey, auntie, why don't you try some acupuncture? Yeah, exactly. Who knows how they got to follow me and subscribe? It could be their kids, right? I mean, just think about our patients in our clinic. How many of our patients that come in are like, oh, yeah, my, my father or my mother told me about you, or my daughter or son told me about you, or my brother or sister told me about yes, you? Yes, exactly. Right? So you're driving a kind of word of mouth in an entertaining way. Oh, yeah. You know, 45% of my new patients are from social media. Another 45 is from referrals. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're in this situation like you are, where we don't have to spend any money and we get new patients, massive amounts of new patients, more than any other clinic around us, and we don't spend a dime. So TikTok is a worldwide thing. And yes. I get it that it could be super useful for the portion of your mission, which is get people to use acupuncture and Chinese medicine. I can see how it totally is in alignment with that. That's great. Yes. The piece about driving your localized business, how do you use TikTok to drive a localized business? Because that's a different thing. Yeah, it is and, and it isn't. And I'll tell you, like yesterday, I went to my local chamber luncheon. And when I walked up to the counter, I was just checking and registering, right? And the first thing out of that woman's mouth was, I follow you on Facebook. That was the first thing she, she said out of her mouth. 
I don't even know this woman. And the first thing she says, she follows me on she Facebook. She knows you. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. She knew me before I even knew her. And that goes to TikTok. A lot of us underestimate how many of our local people are on TikTok. You will be surprised. Many of your local people are on TikTok. Again, it's because of COVID. COVID made everything virtual. So everybody's on their phones, on social media. Yes, there's going to be a lot of people. It's all international. We get a lot of people from Asia contact us, Africa, you know, contact us. And yeah, I mean, we're not going to treat them, right? And then we get a lot of people from all over the US. And so that's why I also, not to get off topic, but we have found ways to monetize. And we also have found ways to promote other acupuncturists. Mm. So I created a website called acupuncturenearme.org. Right now, it contains all of the acupuncturists. I mean, not all of them, but many of the acupuncturists I've mentored that have studied with me. And I put their clinics information on that website. So anytime on social media, like every day we get people asking from all over the US, we just send them to that website. I don't know how many patients I have referred to other acupuncturists from my social media. That's great. Again, this is so in line with your mission of developing acupuncture in general. I love the synergy that you have going here with promoting your work, promoting your clinic, promoting the profession, helping to promote others in the profession. I'm going to give a quick plug here to uh, Everyday Acupuncture Podcast. It was actually the first podcast that I did. And it wasn't to build my business because my business was fine because I was curious about podcasting. And so I did a podcast in plain English to try to get people interested in Chinese medicine Again, that whole idea of, oh, I've, I've got these menstrual issues and I wonder if acupuncture will help. I bring an expert on to talk about that. And you know, it was a way of trying to promote the profession that eventually yeah. led to Geological, but we just rebooted Everyday Acupuncture. I want to have you come on and do something. We're doing these three-minute acupuncture points. We're having acupuncturists come on and do like a three-minute monologue answering some kind of a question that everyday people would have about acupuncture. Okay. And the idea is to help promote the profession. Yeah. And I love the idea, like acupuncture is near me. I mean, maybe we can uh, hook that into everyday acupuncture because, again, the idea is help promote the profession to people that are don't know much about acupuncture other than their aunt used it and she seems to like it. And she's not asking for a Tums at dinner anymore. Actually, when you just said that, I was thinking the same thing. If you wouldn't mind, I could, my marketing team put every, that podcast, Everyday Acupuncture, onto Acupuncture Near Me. Because I, I do plan on expanding that and not just for a listing of practices, a wealth of information. We are totally in alignment. I would love to do that. Awesome. And all y'all's listening, everydayacupuncturepodcast.com, we'd love to have you come on and be a, a three-minute podcast star and helping to promote the profession. And hey, you know, it could come back your way too. Exactly. Because people are going to hear it. That was one of the really quick, what you just said, it will come back to you. And so one of the philosophies that I've built my practice and my life around is, do you know Zig Ziglar? Mm -hmm. Yes. So he said something really good that I've just lived by it. You can have everything you want in life 
if you just go help enough people get what they want in life. Or another way of saying is, if you help enough people get what they want, then you eventually will get what you want. That is how I live my life. So exactly what you said, if you just help promote the profession and you put out that positive energy, it will come back to you always. And why are we doing this work in the first place? I think for most of us, look, if you want to make money, there's a lot of other jobs that'll make you a lot more money. You can make good money doing acupuncture. It's not that you can't, you can, but if your first goal is make money, acupuncture is probably not the best way to go. I think most of us got into this because we want to be helpful. Mm -hmm. We want to make a difference in the world and we want to feed ourselves. Yes. And feed ourselves well, and that is possible. Yes. But I think it comes by serving first. That's one of my core values is service above self for my team. Yeah. Okay, great. So real quick for people that might be thinking, all right, I want to jump into that social media world. Top three platforms you would suggest because there's a bunch of them out there right now. That's a great question. The top three, you always want to stick with the hottest platforms at the moment because they will change. So the hottest platforms right now, number one is TikTok. Mm -hmm. TikTok last year was rated the number one search engine in the world. Oh my God. It beat Google. TikTok as search engine. You just said TikTok as a search engine. Yes. Oh God, that blows my mind. Uh-oh. I know. That's the number one. You need to get on TikTok. Number two, Instagram Reels. So Instagram recently changed its whole algorithm. Instagram used to be about pictures and I never understood it. I still don't understand Instagram, but Instagram, these are all videos. You've got to do videos, no pictures. Okay. Videos are what gets attention now. So Instagram reels. The third platform is YouTube. YouTube is your private TV station. So YouTube and YouTube lives there forever. And YouTube is a very easily searchable search engine because it's owned by Google, mm -hmm. right? And that will also help your Google analytics, your Google rankings. Okay. So those are the top three I would recommend. Do you use the same content on all three or do you slant your content, change your content for the platform? Great question. So I'm a one, like a one shot guy. I do one thing, that's it. And then we use something called repurposing. So to answer your question. Yes, repurpose your content. Yeah, I just record it on TikTok, I download it, and then I upload it to Instagram and I upload it to YouTube. That's it. I don't create three separate videos. I only create one video a day. I love it. So I could do something like take a three minute clip out of a conversation like this one right here with me saying, hey, Jimmy Yen, top three platforms for social media, what are they? And I could put that up onto a geological YouTube and people go, wow, that was really helpful. Thank you. Yes. Maybe I should go listen to the podcast. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay, I could do that. So like just from this one interview, you could take so many 60 second clips, right? You don't have to go and record your own videos just through these interviews. Oh man. Just take the clips. You already have the content. I've got the content. I don't need to like turn the camera on me. I hate turning the camera on me. Oh my God. You don't need to. I could just do this. 
Yeah, you got the content already. Okay. Oh, all right. This is going to cause some trouble. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Jimmy Yan, I think you just changed my life. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> all right, man. Well, I appreciate all your time today and your spirit and your energy and, and your fantastic ideas. If people want to find you, I'm not going to say, where do you go? Because you're omnipresent. You're everywhere. <laughs> Folks, you want to find Jimmy Yang, go to TikTok. It's crazy town. You're going to love him. Yes. Anything else you'd like to say to our listeners before we wind this thing down? I would just say there's only about maybe 15,000 acupuncturists in the U.S. We need more. And we need all of y'all to achieve your definition of freedom so that it can open up your capacity so that we can really focus on how we can get together to elevate our profession. Because until we get together, until we can stop focusing just on our own practice and we're able, we have the bandwidth to start focusing on our profession as a whole, that's when we will really start to blossom. And here's the thing, when we help our profession, it will come back to you. It will help your own practice. And so listen to the podcast, reach out to me. I'm here to help. I got a Facebook group. You know, if you need help, reach out to me. I'm always open. If you have a question, I will always answer it. I will always give you an answer. So you can find me at Achieve Integrative Health on all the platforms. Great. This was fun. Thanks for your time, Jimmy. Thank you, Michael. This was awesome. I may not share Jimmy's love of using social media to help people understand that our medicine is worth considering and using. I prefer that people gossip about their positive experiences with acupuncture to their family and friends. But then again, these days, maybe social media is part of the sphere of word of mouth. I'm certainly not in the demographic that has these so-called social networks as a part of my sense of community and connection, and at the same time, appreciate that these can be used as resources that help you to share what you have to offer with the world in terms of marketing your work. As ever, we have to work from where we are. And even though I do complain about technology entirely too often, and maybe you do as well, at the same time, We've never had better tools for carving out a living for ourselves and reaching more people than you could have imagined 20 years ago. The challenges of our time are not small, but neither is our capacity for making a difference. There's never been a better moment for making a ruckus and doing some good. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, Share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.